Welcome back to Flex Your Head, another special episode of Screen Therapy. On Flex Your Head, we take a breather from punk rock and mental health and explore classic punk albums, which I guess is good for mental health. On this episode, we're joined again by Mike Isaacson, who was here for the No Means No episode last time on Wrong. I think that was our second ever episode for Flex Your Head. So tell me what album we're talking about today. Today, we are revisiting No Means No's Why Do They Call Me Mr. Happy? And not me. They don't call me Mr. Happy. So No Means Knows, Why Did They Call Me Mr. Happy? It's their sixth full-length album, came out in 1993 on Alternative Tentacles Records, which is owned by Jello Biafra, and it was their long-time label. And it's the first album that came out as a two-piece since Mama, which was their first album, 1982, so quite a gap in there. And Rob Wright on bass and guitars, and John Wright on drums. So let's talk about our opening thoughts on this one, Mike. What springs to mind? It's an interesting album. Like you say, it's going back to their origins as a two-piece and arguably their best album, you know, in spite of the fact that it's lacking the talents of either Andy Kerr or Tom Holliston. Rob Wright chose to play the guitar himself and fills in admirably. But apart from that, the material is just amazing, like unbelievably good. Just some of their strongest songs that they ever did. The opening six songs all together, like of a piece, it's so intense the playing is so great lyrics are great Every, everything is fantastic but the rest of the album is great too but i just really find that say the opening six tracks are just mind melting the thing that strikes me about this after listening to it for the last three days straight i had a huge gap with this album i used to listen to it religiously and then hadn't listened to it for a long time but coming back to it wow everything is so good about this album from the vocals to the really cool piano on there Of course, you know, Rob's signature bass sound and the drumming, as always, is amazing. I don't know if this was an album that was planned to be more of a, let's call it operatic or a complete piece of different textures and sounds, but it definitely has that. And it's definitely up there with my top No Means No albums. I would say top three. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw an interview with Rob Wright where he says that a few of the songs kind of suffered from not having the more accomplished guitarist. I kind of get that. There's a few spots where the guitar is more prominent, where it's good. It maybe kind of lacks the nuance that a, you know, true guitarist would have had, but it's still really good and it doesn't take anything away. I mean, everything else is so unbelievable that it doesn't really matter anyways. So I want to say right off the bat that Wikipedia is dumb because Wikipedia <laughs> says... <laughs> what? The band mostly replaced its hardcore punk sound with slower songs influenced by heavy metal, here we go again, yeah. and progressive rock. 
I don't know, heavy metal? I don't it's a heavy album, but I don't know if it's heavy metal. It's the slower thing, where'd that come from too? I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't call it a slow album. No, I read that too. I was like, What? Who wrote that? We need to go in and edit the Wikipedia page, obviously. The album came out right around the time that the Hanson Brothers and Mr. Wrong were doing their stuff. So Hanson Brothers being John Wright singing, Rob Wright bass, and Mr. Wrong stuff was Rob's, let's say, solo stuff. There was a lot of people on there collaborating with him. But it's interesting that that's around the same time as this album, because this album is very much the two brothers coming back and just cranking out this amazing 59-minute long, you know, I hate to call it a rock opera, but it's definitely got that huge scape of not so much their other albums. I know that all their albums are really like cool, but this one has its own flavor to it as if they came back and said, we're just going to do this. The two of us, we're going to kick some major, you know what, like we did back in the, the very beginning. Some of the material, I think four of the songs were drawn from the Mr. Wrong output. And then a couple were kind of leftovers from the zero plus two equals one. And there's actually some outtakes. I was actually listening to that because there's the zero plus two equals one and a half that was released. And that was just a digital only release that they did. But someone's posted it up on YouTube, the original version of Cat Sex and Nazis and I Need You and then some other stuff, too. So that was interesting to listen to with Andy Kerr on. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the songs. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to start at the beginning and run through. Of course, we're not going to have time to talk about every single song, but I am tempted to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd like to. One thing that strikes me at the very beginning of the album, The Land of the Living, where it has these chimes. I want to say they're chimes, but I think it's just bright acoustic strings on a guitar. But it starts out with this real cool, it almost feels like the beginning of a Christmas song. The snow is falling. <laughs> what song do you think is your favorite or a couple favorites? I always kind of think of Machine as my favorite and The River as the best song, though. might be their best song you know like i said i just i love machine if i was going to cover a no means no that's probably the song i would do i just love that bass line but the river is just such a heavy song i mean it's intense there's that live version on in the fish tank too that's also really really good yeah i think the river to me always felt like the companion piece to the tower mm-hmm. and the songs almost blend in my mind sometimes but if i had the skill you could actually mash them together <laughs> it would actually be cool and Machine is eight minutes long. Yes. Interesting, that's one of your favorite songs on the album. Eight minutes is a long time. That's Metallica, Master of Hobbit's length. <laughs> <laughs> I don't find that it suffers from that. Slowly melting is maybe a little overlong, but Machine, I don't mind. I can keep going. <laughs> the noise section on the end of Machine dissolves into this white noise, and then all of a sudden the quirky madness and death starts up, and then Rob does his patented woo. I love that. Then we come into Kill Everyone Now, which is, again, eight minutes long-ish. And Out of the Gates is probably one of the best openings of a song ever. Kill <laughs> everyone now. Yeah. It's just so good. Uh, I always get chills when I hear that. Yeah. 
first six from from land of the living up to kill everyone now which is like the a side of the cassette i've only ever had this album on cassette god man, it's all just scorching and like i say to me it kind of feels of a piece you know because then you move to side to be on the cassette on the lp track seven to nine didn't make it that's i need you slowly melting and lullaby they're all really good tracks too i think slowly melting is great maybe a little over long yeah then it gets into cat sex and nazis which is quite the way to conclude the album a classic track as well but you know for me it is like i say those like that one through six are just peerless like doesn't get any better cat sex and nazis i mean it's a great track it's a bit of a mess you know by design <laughs> yeah so it's got all those different bits and pieces in the background you've got the faith no more intro there with that similar bass line which is pretty funny i remember hearing that for the first time and thinking why <laughs> that's one of the great mysteries of this album actually <laughs> what is that all about i think they played together back in the day i mean this, uh, that's of course the pre-mike Patton faith no more mike Patton is a well-known no means no fan after they called it quits in 2016 there's a write-up in the guardian lauding no means no and it actually calls this album like the pinnacle of western civilization kind of taking the piss out of faith no more for their mediocrity or something and it's like no for one thing faith no more are not mediocre for two i think that that was done in a friendly way <laughs> yeah i think so too although that album was mediocre introduce yourself yes that album they became more than mediocre when Patton joined and then more and more awesome as it went never mind we're getting off track let's not talk about faith no more anymore because we're talking about no means no what was that about dave Grohl? <laughs> <laughs> no i have an idea for a music documentary where it's bono dave Grohl, and ian mckay the documentary is about Bono, Dave Grohl, and Ian McKay, and then it's Bono, Dave Grohl, and Ian McKay talking about Bono, Dave Grohl, and Ian McKay. How do you think that would go? I think that's brilliant. <laughs> Got to get that going. Get it into production. Call Netflix. <laughs> so what's going on in Lullaby? That basically that it's dancing in the streets, but there's also is Let the Bells Ring Out. Is that a different song or is that No Means No? It's very confusing. Let the bells ring. taken from anywhere else in machine he sings of thee i sing and that's a george gershwin tune actually yeah i don't know the the bells ring out if that comes from anywhere else or not but yeah it's interesting i don't believe that the actually i looked it up marvin gay co-wrote dancing in the streets and i don't think he's given any songwriting credits i don't know if you'd get away with that now probably not <laughs> lyrics for the album such a thrill to listen to i don't know what's going on half the time because i'm not 
a scholar in these kinds of things. I know we talked about with the wrong episode, the Joyce lyrics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But lots of wordplay, lots of storytelling, lots of amazing lines because I'm so fucking smart. (laughs) How do you end a song like that? Some really cool lyrics. But for you, I know you're more into deciphering and dissecting the lyrics. Is there anything that you discovered in your unearthing of Sherlock Isaacson? (laughs) I didn't find any any literary references that I recognized, really. You know what I find is there's a lot of references to his own lyrics throughout different albums. There's, There's recurring themes. It's about communication, deceit, I wrote down, you know, can we trust each other and can we trust ourselves? I think is one of like the fundamental questions underlying a lot of his lyrics. I wrote down a couple sections that I just think are fantastic. From the river, mothers, tell your children the truth. Don't hide the fate that's waiting. When you're born, you start to drown. There is no help, no safety. Great lyrics for moms. You put that on a Mother's Day card, right? <laughs> <laughs> Happy Mother's Day from No Means No. <laughs> and then um, Land of the Living, addition and subtraction is a cold and sober art, but there is no place for taking stock in matters of the heart. Either you are genuine or you are not. Who writes that? And then that kind of harkens back to stock taking too, from wrong, taking stock. Yeah, and I've got written down here, my kind of speed is, do you know why they call me Mr. Happy? I must have missed that. I don't think so, Rob. (laughs) John in the background, like kind of playing off Rob. It's just, I I love that kind of stuff. It's just hilarious. My thing that I had written down too is, what do you want to hear? A love song? Are you in love? Is this politically correct? Or are you just another fucking reject? Amazing lyrics. They always have such great lyrics. I don't know how much extra effort went into writing these particular songs lyrically, but to me, this is the pinnacle of their lyric writing. It's got a lot of... Humor, of course, as always, yeah. but just some really dark, ominous, freaky. You listen to this in the dark, and it's just, it's, it's scary. Look at me and watch yourself. Everyone is so. left and they were doing the Hanson brothers some of this came out of mr wrongs maybe had more time to work on the lyrics coming from different places too and different points it wasn't like the band wasn't the band the same way at that point right yeah i have that written down too that you know rob is like the philosopher poet comedian 
up on the stage there, you know, and, and on the recording. And, and not many people can embody that and truly embody each aspect. That's incredibly rare and obviously a big part of why we all celebrate their music so much. And a true cult band, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they define the cult band, because if you're in the no means no cult, you are in the cult. There's not too much fence sitting there. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the rituals in that cult, but maybe we shouldn't go in that direction. That's the main the main directive of the cult. Kill everyone now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're getting in trouble here. We need to <laughs> let's tone this down a little bit. They may find some keywords in this podcast. The next thing you know, knock, knock, knock. Here comes the podcast police. <laughs> the sound on the album getting into the mix. Mm-hmm. I love how the vocals peak. They're basically in red pretty much the whole time. You know, I don't know what kind of setup they had with recording the microphones, but I love how the vocals just cut through and they're right into that peaking, distorting part. And I like how the vocals on this whole album are in some ways the biggest star. It's almost a spoken word album with music in in some ways. Yeah, it does sound great. And yeah, you can certainly make out everything that he's saying. The Land of the Living does really cool volume modulations as well. So, and I think that's just through playing i don't think that that was kind of tweaking the the dials i could be wrong but also rob's voice obviously very good in all the albums but here it takes on a whole new level for me Mm -hmm. the soulfulness and then the growls you know the classic woo i always love that part this is the performance i think of his career Everything he does is so good, but this is the one that really stands out. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of the Mr. Wrong stuff, he was doing solo and had more time to kind of flesh things out and then coming back, filling space more with the two-piece here with John. This album for him, I think, is his finest voice. Mm-hmm. Screaming out the river. That's, uh, you don't you don't unhear that. That'll always stay with you. <laughs> Maybe he worked on his vocals by practicing Motown songs, and that's where the dancing in the street thing came from. <laughs> We talked a little bit about the cover art. Ooh. First of all, it's really fucking creepy. <laughs> oh, God. Just ugly. I'm glad I've only ever had it on cassettes. I don't want it any bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was up with this one. This kind of Freddy Krueger looking guy. This graphic is just way out of left field. It just looks like it's so dark. You can't even really make it out. Yeah. You know, he's got a little tag that says on his chest that's his member yeah and he's got straw coming out of one side his left arm of his creepy coat and uh i think that's a freddy krueger mask i don't know the colors it's blue green black and yellow it's uh yeah it'd be a tough album to turn other people on to them that the album covers wouldn't help the no means whatever.com website mm-hmm. which i'm convinced is written by tom because the humor is definitely tom holliston humor mm-hmm. but there was a entry on this album kind of so i'm just going to go ahead and read that the old musical itch hit john and he enlisted his brother to record a solo album called why did they call me mr itchy which was later retitled mr happy at the behest of Alternative Tentacles label president Jello Biafra, the duo released it under the No Means No masthead, and boy, did sales skyrocket. The record-buying public had forgiven the misstep of wrong and welcomed the band with big hugs and kisses. Mm. After a bout with mononucleosis, Rob put together a touring band, including guitarist Kem Kempster and Nashville session player Tom Holliston, to once again tour the world. <laughs> None of that is true. <laughs> Let's just go out there and say none of that is true. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, if you have time to check out that no means whatever dot com website, please do. It's a hilarious goofball world of weirdness. I found some YouTube comments. I know this is a dreaded part of the podcast for the people that do it, but maybe slightly humorous for the folks that are listening. This one's very long, so bear with me. I think it does have a good payoff. Mm -hmm. This is by Dan Mendo three years ago. This is one of the two No Means No albums that I owned and loved, and then they mysteriously vanished. I think I might have finally figured out what happened to them, though. They both disappeared around the same time my cat Muggles went missing. I think he borrowed them to listen to on his little cat Walkman, or maybe it was called a Walk Cat. Anyway, I think he was out walking around listening to his great music when he's ambushed by a gang of dogs and cats and a raccoon or two looking for revenge. He used to get into a lot of scraps, but he never started them. He just finished them. He wasn't a bully. He was sort of like a little vigilante. The yellow cat next door got beat up once by an asshole calico who lived down the street. Muggles was upset that his buddy got beat up, so he went and beat the shit out of that calico. He used to do that sort of stuff all the time. He would beat up mean dogs, crooked cats, evil raccoons, and chupacabras all the time. They must have shot him and buried him in the No Means No tapes, where they thought no one would ever find them. Anyway, it's great to hear this again, especially today. It had been a pretty shitty day, but this album always helped, just like it always did before. (laughs) R.I.P. Muggles. (laughs) There you go. That almost sounds like Tom got into YouTube and started having some fun there. uh... (laughs) My cats all love No Means No. Cats, Sex, and Nazis is their favorite song. (laughs) <laughs> All right, this one's slightly shorter. John Worth, seven years ago. This album has its moments, the river and slowly melting, for example, but this album is undermined by the plodding, bellowing, mostly non-melodic, long-form songs. Machine is just unbearable. I know they can't just reproduce wrong on each album, but this album is not their finest hour. Uh-huh. Wah, wah. <laughs> Strongly disagree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one's by Mystic Mudflaps, two years ago. It was because of this album that my kids grew up playing I Spy, brackets, with my lizard eye. It was a spoil sport teacher at school who corrected them. Twat. Ah, <laughs> uh, YouTube. Final thoughts for this one? I, I know we covered a lot of ground and it feels like we barely scraped the surface here, but what do you think? I think it's hard enough, hard enough just to survive, just to be alive. <laughs> okay <laughs> all right my notes are slightly less profound as that i've just got a big <laughs> note that says in all capital letters no bad songs <laughs> do you remember the first time that you heard this album i would have picked it up when it came out i have a strong memory of being out like running really early in the morning with this on my walkman in the dark and it being pretty profound you know the river especially i think it's a very vivid memory yeah Profound slash terrifying in the dark. It would have been like 20 when it came out. It's interesting. We talked about before the humor and the darkness in their music. I can't think of any other band that does that to this extent. You know, having, you can laugh, but it's also very dark. It's very sarcastic, satirical. Mm-hmm. Trying to pull a band out that would be like that. Mm. I mean, a lot of punk bands are just kind of... um I don't want to say straightforward, but a lot of punk bands have the message. You know, this is the message. 
there's not as much interplay between no other band really does that in my mind yeah i mean obviously you know dead kennedys like with jello the proper dead kennedys um yeah not not too many others can pull it off that's for sure and, and there's there's only one no means no so don't forget to listen to the other episodes of flex your head and the main podcast scream therapy which is at screamtherapyhq.com. You can find both of those podcasts there. You can also find some info about the forthcoming book that I'm writing, which probably won't be out until 2023-ish, 24 maybe. These things take a long time to come out. Surprise, surprise. I always thought that a book could come out the day after you write it, but apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The book is very similar to the podcast, Scream Therapy, How Punk Rock is a Catalyst for Mental Health. And I'm pretty stoked for folks to read it. So like I said, hopefully soon slash later. Do you have anything you want to talk about, Mike, before we head off? Speaking of books again, I know Jason Lamb has submitted his first draft of the No Means No book he's been working on. So that'll hopefully be out maybe sometime next year on PM Press. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for being here for this episode. To talk about No Means No's, why do they call me Mr. Happy? Absolutely. Thanks very much. You mean no one has a clue, no one knows the reason behind my appellation of Mr. Happy? No one knows. I don't think here. so, Rob. Well, I'll tell you! Okay, 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 okay. It's because I'm so fucking smart. Flex your head!